0: I want to start the conversation today by saying thank you to all the amazing women that I've had on the show. Welcome to Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. I'm your host, Cindy MacMillan, and I'm joined today by Heather Ryder. Each week I interview coaches and spiritual explorers from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. Thanks for hanging out with me today, and let's get right to the interview. Heather Ryder is an anxiety coach and imposter syndrome educator who personally overcame high-functioning anxiety and imposter syndrome while working in a demanding tech job. She works with clients from all over the world who want to take a non-traditional, holistic approach to healing anxiety. Heather, welcome to the podcast. I'm really delighted to have you today and to talk about anxiety and imposter
1: syndrome. Hi, Cindy. I'm excited to chat with you. These aren't exactly fun topics to talk about, but they're really useful to people. Oh,
0: absolutely. But let's start off, before we dig into those topics, what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally
1: or in your business? I would say seasons of life, that's an interesting concept because things change you know, throughout a year. And then they change, I think, thematically throughout various times of your life. And right now, I mean, it is a transitional time for me. I have two daughters and one is a senior in high school. So she's about to go off to college, right? So this is this new season of trying to support her, but also recognizing this is actually a pretty big transition for me as well. So I would say Seasons of Life is, is like can happen within a week, but it can also happen within, you know, a, a year or two year period, depending on what's happening in your life. So I would love to hear your
0: journey with anxiety and imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome in the last couple of weeks Actually, after I asked you to be on the podcast and you so graciously said yes, it's really come up a lot with different people that I've been talking to. So this is an important topic
1: and I can't wait to hear hear your thoughts on it. Well, yeah, I will say just as an aside, the universe has a way of doing that, right? <laughs> Where you, One thing comes up and then it keeps coming up. So then, you know, oh, I'm supposed to pay attention to this. So I live in Austin, Texas, which is a big tech town, and I used to work in technology. I had imposter syndrome a couple of different times in my life, but I'm going to sort of correlate this to anxiety because sometimes in these conversations, it seems like, wait, why are we talking about anxiety? Why are we talking about imposter syndrome? So when I had imposter syndrome, I found myself in a job completely overwhelmed by what I was doing. Uh, I had been out of technology for 10 years. Uh, I had been staying home intermittently with my girls, and I had actually been living in another city for a while before I moved back to Austin. And so I moved back to Austin to get back into technology. And being out of technology for 10 years, that's a really long time, right? Like it's a long time for any career, but technology, it changes so fast. And so had all these self-doubts, and um, there were some things that were unfortunately happening in that job that, looking back, were pretty dysfunctional that really contributed to the imposter syndrome, but I didn't know what imposter syndrome was at that time. Um, this is about the time that I'm referring to is probably seven or eight years ago, so I know the phrase is getting a lot more intention, um, attention, as you just said. like It came up in your conversations recently, but I had never heard of it. I was just sitting at my desk one day and I had this surreal experience. I'm sitting at my desk. I'm doing the work and I felt like I was in a movie that was my life. Like That's all I can say. It was like this sort of out of body experience. And I was like, what is this? This is crazy. This feels so weird. So, I mean, it was so unusual and strange that I did some Google search. I don't know what the words were, right? Because I didn't know about imposter syndrome. So I searched something like feeling like I'm in a movie at work or something. And this result comes back for imposter syndrome. And I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, that is me. That's describing exactly how I feel. Other people feel this way. This has a name. And so when you sort of I don't know, there's this comfort in knowing that other people feel the way you feel. I found that to be true for a lot of people. And just knowing that this, like I wasn't alone in it actually was comforting to me. And then I was able to do something about it. I actually hired a life coach, which I had never worked with a coach before because I knew that that was holding me back in my career big time. So that is my story, sort of a very short one about imposter syndrome. And I can talk about the anxiety, but I want to just pause for a moment and see if you have any questions. I do want you to talk
0: about anxiety, but I also, maybe we can talk about the definition of imposter syndrome in your research to kind of help people who may not have heard of that topic before. Actually, the conversation I was telling you about that just happened I mean, literally within the last week was I feel, and they they had just gotten a new position as well. And they're like, I'm in over my head. I don't know what to do. I wonder if I belong here.
1: And that is kind of the definition of imposter syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, you just said some great... Uh, phrases there, like I wonder if I belong here. So yeah, imposter syndrome. It's a weird phrase, right? And that's why when I found that that Google result I was like imposter syndrome. What's that? <laughs> it sounds so weird. So it's, it's imposter syndrome. It's useful to say what it's not. It's not just feeling underconfident. It's, it goes way beyond that. So it's not just, oh, my gosh, I don't have much self-esteem or, oh, I'm not feeling very confident. It is this sort of psychological state where you feel like you are faking it, like you're a fraud. You don't know what you're doing. You have absolutely no idea, and you but you're pretending to, and people are going to find you out. And that's how I, when I said I felt like I was in a movie, that's that pretending sort of feeling, right? Like, oh, this isn't real. I'm just acting right now. And so when people have imposter syndrome, it is this massive self-doubt of like, do I know what I'm doing? I can't do this. Do I belong here? Does anybody else think I'm capable and confident of this, about this? And it usually applies to work, by the way, um, you know, whether you work in a corporate job or your own business, but it can apply to personal pursuits as well, like creative pursuits. Like if somebody wants to do something artistic, as an example, they'll think, who am I to try this? I don't, like my stuff is junk. Who do I, who do I think I am to try and do this thing, right? Like people are going to look at me and be like, oh my gosh, she doesn't know what she's doing. And so it holds people back because, especially at work, because if somebody is feeling like, who am I? Do I belong here? That means that they won't speak up in meetings, right? They won't share their ideas. They won't um, pursue new projects because they think, well, who am I to do that? I don't know what I'm doing. And they're going to figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, People won't seek out, you know, career advancements in their companies. So, I mean, it really, really limits people, which is why I had mentioned that I quickly realized that it was holding me back. And that's why I hired the coach. I was like, this this is a big problem because I had been out of technology for 10 years. I moved from Charlotte to uh, back to Austin to get back into technology. And there I was feeling this. And I was like, I, I have too much on the line. Like I was thinking about quitting that job. I was, and I was like, I can't quit this job. (laughs) Like I moved across the country and it took me five months to get that job, by the way, five months. And I had spent all of my savings. So it was like, I had so much writing on making that work. That's why I hired the coach. Cause I was like, I've got to beat this.
0: And just out of curiosity, when you hired the um, life coach and you started working um, with them, I don't know if it's a female She's a woman. yeah. Okay. When you started working with her, was it all around imposter syndrome or did it
1: really kind of like spread out to other topics as well? Um that's an interesting question. No one's ever asked me that before. So I mean, I did call her. I had met her at a um a networking kind of thing and I I she was like, "I'm a life coach." And I was like, "Great." And then I was like, "Oh, yeah, I remember that lady." <laughs> I didn't know anybody else, so I was like, I'm going to like contact her. And so I really was like I have imposter syndrome. And so we spent um and so I purchased a package of sessions with her, and we did the first session was about imposter, like the imposter And I am not kidding. That one session was so powerful that I had a huge breakthrough just in one session. So I had purchased, you know, multiple sessions with her and I wound up, we wound up doing other things just because I didn't need to spend all of that time with her on the imposter syndrome. I don't know. That's a roundabout answer. Um, so I think the point of that is like, it can be addressed probably more quickly than some people might think yeah that's
0: that's what I was wondering if it took you like several weeks or several months to kind of work through that or or was it a quick um, I don't want to say a quick fix. I don't mean it like that, but a, a more of a quick turnaround for you to have that breakthrough and it sounds like it it was a quick breakthrough for you.
1: Yeah, I mean obviously mileage varies by person sort of thing. I mean, I'm highly um, coachable. <laughs> Um, Which is why I'm a coach right now. I mean, like I am on a mission to overcome my junk. And so I think that's part of why I had such a, a quick result is like I said, I was super motivated. And I'm also highly coachable. Let's talk a little bit about the inner critic. Is the inner critic part of imposter syndrome? Yeah. The inner critic is absolutely part of imposter syndrome. So we all have this like internal dialogue going on all the time. Everybody does, right? I don't, I need to look this up how many thousands of thoughts one has in a given day, right? It's like astronomical. And so a lot of that is just like, oh, squirrel, you know, sort of thing. Like it's nothing. But a lot of those thoughts that we have are judgments and uh, self-statements about the self. And we don't notice them a lot of the time, right? We are just completely like we have tuned that out. And so we don't even know that it's going on. And so that is part of the imposter is that dialogue that's coming in of those self-sabotaging statements or those judgmental statements about yourself, And if you notice them, that's great because you can do something about them. If you don't notice them, if somebody's listening, you have them. (laughs) you got to start noticing them because until you're aware of it, you can't do something about it.
0: And in your experience now as a coach, why do people experience imposter syndrome? And is it more female that um, have imposter syndrome or more males? Or is it just
1: kind of split in the middle? Um, This is sort of anecdotal, right? Because I don't know how many um, like full-fledged studies have been done. I have read before that in the US, um, 70% of the population has had imposter syndrome at some point. Imposter syndrome is very common among high achieving people. So that's the irony of it. It's people who are very accomplished that have imposter syndrome. And it does seem to be more prevalent in Women, and again, that's anecdotal, but it does seem to be more prevalent. Isn't that interesting that it seems to be more prevalent in high achieving people? Absolutely. So, I mean, this is part of what you asked a moment ago was about like sort of underlying reasons, and people who are highly accomplished they tend to be perfectionists a lot of the time. And so what's underneath the imposter syndrome is perfectionism. It's limiting beliefs, right? It's like subconscious programming about who we think we are and self-judgment statements. And so, you know, back to your sort of question and comment about women, this is why I think it's more prevalent in women now. If you think about women in our country and where we were not very long ago, We have come so far in actually a short amount of time. So, like, if you're talking about career opportunities as an example, like back in the 50s, women didn't have many career opportunities, right? You could basically, like, if you wanted to be a quote unquote professional, you were like a nurse, a teacher, a secretary, right? Like, you did not have a lot of career opportunities. And so, in 50 ish years, we have really catapulted forward. But then here we are still coming up against the glass ceiling, still being um, you know, underpaid compared to men. And like I said, I was working in technology. I was literally the only woman in the room a lot of the time. And so when we're coming up into these new fields, it's really hard because you look around and you're like, well, wait a minute, do I belong here? Well, it's hard to feel like you belong if you're the only woman in a room of 12 men.
0: Yeah, Heather, I'm I'm so glad that you brought that up about sometimes you're the only female in the room because I talk to other women that are in those kind of positions where they're the only female. And actually, I love hearing those stories because I think it's so inspiring and motivating to hear those stories about being the only woman in the room and showing that even though there's one, there can be more. And I just have to tell this little story because it popped into my head. I was probably in my 30s before I saw or I was acquainted with a female pilot. And I know there were female pilots before that, but it was the first time I actually knew a female pilot. And I was just like in total awe of that.
1: I love that you say that because my mom is a flight attendant and this was um b- before the pandemic um she was on a flight with an all female crew so both the captain and the co-captain were women and then all the flight attendants were women and so she took a picture my mom's been flying by the way for um like over 30 years so that tells you something. That was the first time she'd been on a plane with an all-female crew and she posted this picture and I got all like all choked up because I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's like, you know, really amazing." Um but yeah, that's a great illustration of of how far we have come but also how far we have to go, right? Exactly. And and I wanted to stay on the topic of
0: women for a moment. So what are the effects for women experiencing imposter syndrome? And we can talk about that in the workplace.
1: So, I mean, this is true, right, for anybody. So, I mean, the comments I'm making would be true for men. But like I was saying a few minutes ago, when somebody has imposter syndrome, it really is holding them back in their career. So if they're business owners, this is what I have heard from, because I have a couple of clients who are business owners right now. Um, Like one woman, she worked in a corporate job and she decided like, I can do what I'm doing as my own business. Right. So she had the skills and ability, knew her stuff and just decided to do it for herself as a business. She had massive imposter syndrome to the point where she was literally like frozen, like couldn't, like could not proceed. Like, oh my God, I'm just going to sit on the couch all day. I don't even know where to start. So it can be that overwhelming and that drastic where somebody is like frozen with fear. And oftentimes if it is a corporate job, like I said, it's people not speaking up in meetings. I've heard that so many times. Like they will just be like, I don't trust my opinion. I don't trust my ideas. I'm just not going to say them and it'll be this feeling of like other people at work are more valuable like they know what they're doing and i and i don't so there's this sense of like feeling really out of place like everybody else is great and has it all together and so then that keeps people from like again contributing or even asking questions because they feel like well if i knew what i were doing then I wouldn't have to ask about this or I wouldn't have to ask for help. So then they're getting stuck in this cycle, right? I just like, it's like a whirlpool you're getting stuck in because you are not sharing your ideas. You're not asking questions, even though you may or may not need help. So it just becomes this, you know, mind trap for people. Heather, I, this conversation,
0: is, as you're talking, is just bringing up so many things for me because again, I remember being in corporate America about 15 years ago and I had gone to a training class and I remember the instructor asking a question and nobody s- was said anything. So I kind of said it out loud at my table. Well, one of the men then spoke up and said what I said, and the instructor came to me as we were going to break, and he said, Don't ever do that again. you let somebody else take credit for what you had to say. Just go ahead and speak up so that's what came up for
1: me as you were as you were talking That's a perfect example, isn't it? yeah, it's a perfect example, right yeah of this of this doubt and Yeah, I I mean, I'm just thinking back to my clients because I like to give really tangible examples of things. So, I mean, there's this woman that I'm working with right now who's a computer programmer, a developer, and she works with all men. And she says she really undermines herself. Um, And so I guess she works in like different pockets of code. And so she's not always in this one area of something And so I guess every time she goes in there, which isn't very often, she's like, what am I doing? (laughs) And it's just because anybody would be that way, right? Because she's not like in it every day. And so she said she undermines herself because she'll go to somebody else and apologize and say, oh, I'm really sorry. Like, uh, I'm really sorry. I'm not remembering. And when she said this to this one guy, he was like, you don't have to be sorry. He's like, it's the same for me every single time. But she does that so much, like this apology to people, that she's realizing how can other people respect her or take her seriously if she doesn't take herself seriously. So that's what's happening for her. She's seeing herself do this, and it's like having trouble not doing it.
0: I appreciate you telling that, giving that example, because I I've seen that throughout my my time in corporate America as well. This is the big question, Heather. <laughs> How can we overcome
1: imposter syndrome? Yeah, I will say um, it does take commitment and work, right? And so the things that we we were talking about the inner critic before. And this is why I said, you're having those thoughts, whether you realize it or not. So there is this awareness that has to come in. And when you're doing these self-defeating behaviors, or you're having the self-defeating thoughts, like you have to actually notice them. And so if someone's not already aware, one thing that they can do is carry around a notebook with them all day long. And anytime they notice something that is one of those inner critic statements, write it down. If you're not noticing them at all, then I recommend that people put a timer on their phone to go off with whatever frequency they can. Every 15 minutes would be great, but depending on what somebody's doing, that may not be realistic, but at least every half an hour. And right when the timer goes off, then you think, what was I just thinking? And then you catch what your last thought was. And so if you do this with regularity, that's when you're going to find those statements of like, wait a minute, holy cow, I'm saying these things. And it's usually very telling to people. And that alone can be motivating enough because when you see that like junky stuff you're saying to yourself, um, like I, I, if I have inner critic statements now, I get, it's like a external voice, right? And that is something I recommend people can actually name that voice so mine is Dorothy. So if you have that voice come in, you can be like, wait a minute, like, hold up, you are not talking to me like that, right? So that can be empowering a lot of the time. But then the other thing I would say is, you know, that knowing that perfectionism is underneath the imposter syndrome, starting to really explore why you have perfectionistic tendencies. That's pretty crucial as well. And I mean, we only have so much time. I I will say the the real answer is there is, and this is why I hired a coach, is there are things that are in your subconscious that are belief structures you have about yourself. And so you can do work on your own to uncover them. And so some of the things I'm talking about are things that people can do on their own. But if you want to make fundamental change, you have to like sort of reprogram the script that is your mind. So the
0: first thing, from what I'm hearing, is and I and I love you take, taking a notebook around with you because you think you're going to remember what you said, but you don't. So actually having a physical notebook is a great suggestion. But what I'm hearing is is the first thing is to become self aware of what you're saying.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: So I'm going to take a little bit of a different turn right here because. April is Stress Awareness Month, and one of the topics we were going to talk about also was anxiety. Do you have
1: two or three tips to handle stress and anxiety? Um, I do, and I'm glad that you're differentiating between them because people get confused about stress versus anxiety. Stress is situational, so it's a response to something that's happening in your life. Anxiety is chronic and doesn't go away. So they're very different things. And so I think that because I work with high achievers and this perfection element comes in, right? Um, One thing I would say, regardless of whether it's stress or anxiety, is a tip is looking at your life and seeing what you can do less of People do too much, and that's part of why they're stressed out, right, is they're taking on too many things. And I think the pandemic has really shown this to a lot of people because they there were things that were just literally cut out of their life, so they're not doing them anymore. And they're realizing, wait a minute, I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off all the time. And so you need to have space in your life, like literally space to do nothing, space to take care of yourself. So that's one thing that's really important. And also this goes sort of hand in hand. I would say a second thing is really setting boundaries, right? Like saying no to things that you should be saying no to, really valuing yourself and what's important for you. A lot of people, I think this is very true for women, right? It's like we just sort of say yes to things. There's this like inherent obligation that we feel in a lot of ways and we're doing things we don't want to do because we think we should. So setting boundaries for yourself and realizing what's not good for you is super important. Those are the two that popped into my mind. I don't have a third right now. And that's that's okay. Those two are absolutely perfect. I love those.
0: When you're working with your clients, what do you think is the or feel is the number one piece that is holding them back from really feeling good or, or taking that next step, whether it's in their career, or in their business, in their health?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times people want a simplistic answer to this. And this is what I was alluding to before. The real answer is that everyone has had past experiences in their life that shape who they are today. And so the one thing that's holding them back is actually this old subconscious programming, it's old emotional junk, it's old energetic junk, and so if you want to be a different person and you want to show up in the world differently, you actually have to get at the core belief structure that you have about yourself because you can't you can't change if you keep being who you are like from that vantage point. You have to you have to change and shift fundamentally who you are and then the external world changes around you.
0: Yeah, Heather, I love that because I do believe that those self-limiting beliefs start in our childhood, and, and then they just take on a life of their, of their own as we become adults if we don't do something to, to work with those.
1: It's absolutely true.
0: If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell her about the season of life you're in right now?
1: You know what I would tell my 18-year-old self is just to be really flexible. Um, When I look at my life, I'm 47 now. And when I look at my life, it has not gone at all like I thought it would. I mean, like plans that I had didn't turn out, but other things happened that were more amazing. I mean, there's been a lot of change. And I think that... If somebody gets too rigid about where they want to go, that just causes a lot of friction. So I would tell her just be like, "Hey, you're in for a wild ride, girl." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. And and that is so true. So Heather, I have loved having you on the podcast. The time has absolutely flown by. Could you tell people how they could find you on social media and how they could work with you or
1: follow you? That's such a great question. Thank you. So, yeah, my name is Heather Ryder. It's R-I-D-E-R. And if you search Heather Ryder and the word anxiety, that is the best way to find me because I'm all over the place. I'm regularly on podcasts and, uh, you know, have a YouTube channel and all of those sorts of things. So that's pretty easy for people to remember It's just searching my name and the word anxiety. All right. And then I will
0: have the rest of your links, your website and all that in the show notes. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us this week on Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast. Make sure to visit our website, CynthiaMcMillan.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you could simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out as well. Until next time, live inspired.